Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. You're listening to the last message of our year-end series. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. Matthew chapter 3, it says, In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This, John, is the one who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way, make straight the paths for him. Make straight the paths for him. I wanna call our message this morning, prepare the way. Prepare the way, prepare the way. Come on, can we clap our hands one more time? You guys can can take a seat. So glad you could be here this morning. Um, If you're new, my name's Harrison, and just so glad you could be here. Every person watching online, just so pumped that you could be here this morning. Uh, it's a little bit dark out in the audience, so I can't really see y'all, but uh, so glad that you could all be here. Um, this morning uh, is a special morning, if you don't know or if you're new here. Uh, this morning is the end of a series for us that we've been in at church, and it's the end of a season. Uh, what we do here at Kingdom is that we finish every single uh, year Every single calendar year, we finish it with a faith series uh, that ends with a year-end offering. And this morning, at at the conclusion of our service, uh, we're going to take that offering. And in that moment, we're going to have a time, uh, really, of worship where we can actually come to the feet of Jesus and give him everything that he's worthy of. And uh, I just think it's going to be a beautiful moment. And for those that have been here in the past... uh, you'll know what I'm talking about. I think it's a special and holy moment when we can come and actually give God something. I was telling the team this morning, it's a privilege that we as people, we as mere mortals can actually give God something. And what we're gonna do at the end of service is we're gonna give God something. And so um, if you guys are ready this morning, I really want us to receive what God has for us. And I think a great way to receive is to take notes, but it's also to respond. Right? This, this isn't necessarily a monologue because it can actually be a dialogue if we believe that God wants to say something to us this morning. So you guys believe that God has something for you this morning? Yeah. few people yeah. going to get blessed this morning. <laughs> Rest of y'all, we'll pray something happens. Um, I kind of want to tell you how God works with me uh, just in certain times. Uh, I was driving uh, a few weeks back listening to some worship music. And a lot of times when I drive or when I'm listening to music, um, the Lord will kind of just plant seeds into my heart. A lot of times they're just words. And I was driving about, I guess, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, and uh, three things came to my mind as I was driving, three kind of titles. And um, it was, at the feet of Jesus, we're that church, and prepare the way. Now, if you've been paying attention, uh, the last two weeks, I preached a message called, at the feet of Jesus, and I preached a message called, We're That Church, Um, and today I'm I'm preaching a message called, Prepare the Way. Now, how how the Lord works a lot of times is he just kind of deposits these these sayings into my spirit, uh, and then I have to do the rest, because if it was all God, come on, somebody, uh, it'd be a lot better than it is, (laughs) like if it was just all God, Um, a lot of me in there, and those are the parts that I pray you see more God. Um, But today, I want to talk about this idea of preparing the way. Preparing the way. If you're taking notes, the title is Prepare the Way. Uh, Just by a show of hands online, you can show us by your clicks. Uh, Anyone here ever been to a concert? A few people. Anyone never been to a concert before? 
<laughs> so sad, yeah. <laughs> Me. Um, I've been to three concerts in my life. First concert I went to was Coldplay. Second concert I went to was Coldplay. Third concert I went to was Coldplay. Um, thank you. I've been to three concerts, all Coldplay, uh, greatest band alive today, so it's been really good. Um, and one thing for, and it's not just specific to Coldplay, any concert you know, uh, anyone that's been to a concert, you will know that every concert uh, has what is called openers, right? People that open for the band. Sometimes like there's one opening act, sometimes there's two opening acts. You guys ever seen three opening acts? Oh, few. I've, I've only seen two. Um, now, just... Kind of like, especially like for really big concerts, be it like Roger's Place or the old Rexall. Uh, anyone ever really cared about the opening act for the band that you were going to? A few, a few couple people. It's like, yeah, it was my sister's band. Um, <laughs> like I've kind of, you know, the, the concerts I've been to, I've kind of had these moments where the opening acts are going on and I really feel bad for them. And the reason I feel bad for them, especially like when it's in these huge arenas, be it Rexall, be it Rogers, is like there's literally like 30,000 seats, but there's like a thousand people there. And the truth be told is for the opening acts, like, and I mean this with no offense, for the most part, no one really cares about them. And if you guys know what happens a lot of times during the opening acts, um, number one, no one's there. But a lot of times the people that are there, they're kind of walking around. They're trying to find their seat. Uh, a lot of them are like, going to go buy merchandise or go buy their snacks, whatever it is. And so I've kind of always felt really bad for the opening acts, especially in this moment. You guys know this moment where there's like the crescendo, where the band's like... Then it's like, thank you, Edmonton. And like two people clap. You guys know that moment? Now, I'm not a musician, but when I experience those things, I'm like, man, that must be really rough to give it your all, to do all this, this, all this, this work, and no one really cares. And so I was thinking about it this week. Like, how do the, these bands that open for amazing bands like Coldplay or whoever else you like, like how, how do they get through those times when it doesn't really appear like anyone actually cares about what they're doing? And what I figured this week as, as I thought about it was I think the way that they must get through those moments is those people, those opening acts, they must be strictly um, and completely dedicated to the job and to the task that they are to perform. And what I mean by that is that they know exactly why they are there. They are not there to be the main act. Their job is literally there to be the opening act. They have one job and one job only, and that's to prepare the way. They're there to prepare the way for cold play. That rhymes. <laughs> it's one job. And I think, and I don't know because I've never opened for someone, but I think there's, there's many principles that can apply to our lives. I think what helps us get through times when maybe we don't see results right away or maybe things don't look the way we want them to look, I think one of the ways that we can get through those times is when we know exactly what our job is. In other words, when we know what or why we were created. You see, I love, I love Coldplay. I really do. Um, I'm not a musician, so I'll never open for them. But one thing that I do know is that for as great as Coldplay is, and you can insert whatever band or person you like, I know that it would be an honor and a privilege to open for a great band. 
And I think one of the reasons that those bands do it, other than knowing their job, is they also know, man, like, I get to work with them. Like, I, I get to work with them. Like, that's an honor. That's a privilege. Now, like I said, I don't know Coldplay, but I do know Jesus. And I do know that Jesus is the name above every other name. I do know that Jesus is the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. I know that he sits enthroned at the right hand of God. And I think the beauty of today and really every single day is that you and I actually have a job when it comes to Jesus. And much like an opening act for a band, our job is simply this when it comes to Jesus. You and I exist to prepare the way. I said we exist to prepare the way for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Now, a couple of us say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I know for a lot of us, it's kind of hard. Because truthfully, we live in a culture that's kind of self-centered in a way. Really like a hero worship kind of culture, a celebrity culture. I saw Spider-Man this week. I love Spider-Man. I want to be Spider-Man. <laughs> but I think there's something inside of us, and I think kind of culture puts it forward, where it's like, you know what? Life is, is pretty much just about you. Right? Like you're, you're the hero of the story. You are the one that people need to see. You are the one that needs glory. You're the one that needs attention. And so it can actually kind of be hard to say, wait, what if my life actually doesn't revolve around me? What if I am actually supposed to just prepare the way? What if my life was never meant to point back to me but to someone greater? And today, that's kind of what I want to suggest. I want to suggest that when it comes to our lives here today, our role, our job, is literally to represent Jesus and to prepare the way. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to look at the character um, of John the Baptist because I think that his life and really his mission and, and kind of the, the, the journey that he goes through, he has a very human journey. Um, it's going to give us, I think, some practical lessons and practical points on what it actually means to prepare the way. What does it mean when we say, man, my life is just supposed to reflect and point to Jesus? And so I want to study this morning the life of of John. So can we do that this morning? Let's get into the word. Matthew chapter 3 is really a quote from an Old Testament book. I'll I'll explain it in a second. Um, But Matthew chapter 3, we just read this, verse 3. It says, this is he, talking about John. So you could just say, John who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of the one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. So what Matthew was saying, I'm gonna break this down. There's there's an Old Testament book. Bible has two Testaments, Old Testament, New Testament. Old Testament before Jesus. In the Old Testament, in a book called Isaiah, there's this prophecy saying one day there's going to be this Messiah. One day there's going to be this Savior who we now know is Jesus. But he says before Jesus ever comes, before he does his thing, there's going to be someone who has one job and one job only. And it is literally to be the person that comes before Jesus and says, I'm here to prepare the way. Matthew when describing John, is saying, John the Baptist is this person. He is the one that exists to prepare the way for Jesus. John is that man. 
Now, the reason I want to study John is because I think John was the very first person that actually got to step into the calling of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. John was the very first person to actually experience what it is like to live a life that is not about you or not about me, but a life that is to reflect the one who is to come. And so what I'm trying to suggest this morning is that our lives, much in the same way as John, we exist for a greater purpose than just ourselves. If you're taking notes, you could say it like this, my life is not meant to point to me. My life is meant to point to Jesus. I'm created, literally, you and I are created to reflect the glory of the creator. Now, I'm going to tell you why this is important. Because if I don't know what my purpose is, if I do not know why I exist on this earth, I will constantly and continually be disappointed. One of the, the, the greatest ways to get disappointed is to misunderstand what your purpose is. Because if I do not know why I exist, I will always search for meaning. And if I look for meaning in the wrong places, I'll end up in this constant and continual circle, chasing purpose. But if purpose, as I am suggesting, is found only when we understand our mission as people that are are created to, to prepare the way for Jesus, unless we understand that, we will live in disappointment. You see... I think for a lot of us, and you, you can let me know if you've been there, just you don't have to say anything, but I can kind of tell from the couple faces I see. But you guys ever been there where, where you're feeling something? It's like an emptiness, or it's like a void, and, and you think, well, maybe I just need like a new job. Maybe I just need some new friends, or maybe I just need some, some, new, some new things, or maybe I need more, more money, or a new relationship, and it's just kind of that, that emptiness that you can't explain. But what I want to suggest this morning is that for a lot of us, we look in the wrong places and we never find because we're not actually looking for the thing that we need, which is Jesus. And the way in which our world is going, the direction in which it is pushing, there's this idea that all of your problems can be solved with a little more you. Just just focus a little bit more on you. Then you'll Then you'll feel better. Just build a better self-image, and you're, then you're going to feel better. And all that stuff is great, and there's places for it. But at the very end of the day, I believe this. One of the results of a fallen world, because this world is not the way that God designed it to be, it's not even that we see less of God. I think one of the biggest results of sin is that I think I need to see more of me. And that's a place that leads to disappointment. And a lot of us, we attach our problems to me. I think it's just me. And we think this is just the way it is. I read a quote this week from John Eldridge, um, just speaking about this. And I thought it was kind of profound. He says this, talking about kind of just the way the world is, sin. He says, something awful has happened, something terrible, something even worse than the fall of man. For in the greatest of all tragedies, we merely lost paradise. And with it, everything that made life worth living. So what he's saying, he's saying sin has kind of brought us to a place where things aren't the way they're supposed to be. He says, that was bad, but what's happened since is worse. He says, unthinkable, actually. We've gotten used to it. We're broken into the idea that this is just the way things are. And I wonder how many of us walk around and we kind of feel empty and we buy this lie that says, well, this is just the way things are. 
This is just the way that the, the world is. This is the way the cookie crumbles. But what I want to suggest this morning, perhaps what you're looking for is a new direction. And perhaps what you're looking for is a life centered on the mission of John the Baptist and the same mission that Jesus gives to us today that we are meant to prepare the way. If you take any notes today, you can say, my life mission is to prepare the way. So you're like, Harrison, what, like, what does that look like practically? What does that mean, prepare the way? Well, again, let's look at John. Um, we're going to go to the book of John, chapter 3. Uh, if you're wondering why they call him John the Baptist, it's literally because he baptized people. The Bible's so confusing, right? Um, <laughs> side note, um, it also helps because there's a whole lot of Johns in the New Testament. When you're reading it, you're like, why is there so many Johns? Um, and so the book of John, which we're going to read, was not written by John the Baptist. Just a side note in case you're like, did John write this? No. John, chapter 3, says they came to John. This is his disciples. This is a little bit later. They said, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one that you testified about, talking about Jesus, he says, look, he's baptizing and everyone is going to him. So here's what happened. John, we know his mission. He's the one that's supposed to prepare the way. And so John, as he's preparing the way, people are flocking to him, listening to his message of repentance, watching him baptize people. He begins to have followers. He begins to have people that are literally following him. And then all of a sudden, Jesus comes on the scene. And when Jesus comes on the scene, John's life, the person that he was pointing to, is now here in the flesh. And so what happens is exactly what is supposed to happen. People begin to see Jesus. But the followers of John are like, yo, do you see what's happening? They're not with us anymore. They're going to Jesus. Look what's happening. Because I want us to understand this. What's happening is the disciples of John, his followers, are seeing things on a worldly plane. And when you see things on a worldly plane, you see things as everyone else sees them. And so the way they saw things is the way we see things today. It says your purpose comes from power. Your purpose comes from notoriety. The more people that know you, the more followers that you have, that is where your worth is found. And so when John is suddenly losing some Instagram followers, the disciples are like, what's going on? But I love John's response. And it's longer, but I'm going to give us the short response because John knows his mission. He's there to prepare the way. The disciples say, bro, what's going on? John 3, verse 30, John says, listen, 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 listen. He must become greater. I must become less. It's all right, boys. He, he must become greater. I must become less. That's a man that knew his purpose. Life wasn't ever about, it was never supposed to point to me. I'm just the one that prepares the way. So listen, where does fulfillment come from? What does it look like to prepare the way? It's so simple. In my life, I become less and Jesus becomes more. How do I prepare the way? So simple. I become less, Jesus becomes more. You see, the deception that so many of us face is this idea that life is about me. Life is all about me. No, no, no. You want true fulfillment. You need to become less, and Jesus needs to become more. 
Now, as I mentioned off the top, we're, we're in a season in a series. We're about to take our year-end offering, this, this faith offering. We've been talking about it for a month. Now, some of us might be saying, well, Harrison, what does any of this have to do with what we've been talking about? What does any of this have to do with generosity? You see, I think that generosity is so attached to this principle in a number of ways. Number one is this. A lot of times when we give, whether it's financially or whether we serve or whether we volunteer, can we be honest? I know a lot of us is like, I don't want the credit. But like deep down inside, we want everyone to know. It's like, I'm going to give anonymously. No one needs to know, but you can ask me. Because I think there's something inside of us that if we do something, we want people to know. When I'm volunteering, like there's something inside of me, like I should probably put this on my story so everyone knows. But one of the things I think that's, that's beautiful about this moment, especially like as we're about to give at the end of service, is that it's a, it's a moment of total anonymity. And what I mean by that is that what we are giving to Jesus is literally just between me and Jesus. No one needs to know. And the sacrifice that some of us will be making, no one will know that sacrifice. And the truth is no one needs to know that sacrifice. Because the true fulfillment does not come in our, in our tires being pumped. But it is actually when we can say wholeheartedly, less of me, Jesus, and more of you. May you be glorified. May your life be lifted up. And that's just one aspect when it comes to generosity. Here's the other aspect. At the very end of the day, like I could talk about the symbol of the power and the prestige that comes with money, but at the very end of the day, I think we all know this to be true. One of the areas in which something exerts the most power or control over our lives is money. That's just the truth. I would say for the majority of us, I choose what I do with my money. I choose where it goes, I choose what I buy, I choose what I don't buy, I buy this, I buy that, so on and so forth. And so no matter what, and it's kind of an inevitability because there are literally things that you need to purchase, things that you need to buy to survive. But at the very end of the day, money for what it is becomes a symbol of control. And for a lot of us, we like the idea of being in control. I like the idea of choosing where every single dime I, I make goes. Because there's this mindset that says, well, I'm the one that worked for this. I'm the one that made this. I'm the one that woke up. I'm the one that grinded. But a part of understanding our calling to prepare the way is saying, man, well, what does that look like to say less of me, Jesus, more of you? The beauty of this offering, we call it an above and beyond offering because what we say is we would just love you for you guys and for us to just pray and say, Jesus, what are you calling me to give? It's not about what I, I want to give, not about what I'm comfortable with, but Jesus, what are you calling me to give? And when we do that, what we're saying intrinsically is less of me, more of you, Jesus. And as we do this, you need to understand there's going to be something in our heart. It's like, whoa, this is hard. Like, are you sure I should do this? Like, I kind of, it's, it's crazy to think this, but this is our fourth year end offering because we started in September 2018. We've been in a church, as a church for three years, but it's our fourth year end offering. Um, and I've noticed something as Christy and I give every single year. Um, I'm excited for like two weeks leading up to it. Then like the day before, I have this dread. And I'm like, man, I don't think I should do this. Because like I know like I could buy this, 
I got this bill. Like, I just don't know. And then all of a sudden, like, this joy turns to dread. I'm just being honest. I don't know if you guys ever experienced this. Right? It's like, I can, like when the worship music's playing, like, I want to give you everything, Jesus. Thursday afternoon, I'm like, I don't know. But a part of, of saying less of me, more of you, it's, it's an act of faith. You see, the words of John, what are not recorded are his feelings. We know with his mouth he is saying less of me, more of him. But we don't know what he was feeling. But I can pretty much guarantee what he was feeling. Because anytime you lose what you once had, specifically when it comes to prestige, there's that feeling of loss. Because you no longer have something you once had. When you give money, you literally no longer have something you once had. But I just happen to believe some of the most powerful worship moments that we have are not the moments where tears are streaming down our face. It is the moment where there is that logical voice inside of us that says, I don't know if I should do this. Yet there's another voice that is the power of the Holy Spirit that is calling us to step out somewhere. And when we act in obedience to that voice, and I believe that is what John was doing in this moment, that is the most powerful kind of worship that we can have. Because I acknowledge what I feel, but I'm still going to be faithful to whatever Jesus has called me to give. You see, another reason why I love this, this story, um, and I want to show it to you, is because John, he goes through the human experience. He has great faith. He says, Let, may he become less. May I become less, he become more. And you think like that's how the story ends. John is this man of faith, but what happens as the story goes on um, is that John gets thrown into prison. That's how the story goes. He gets arrested. Um, and, and back to the, to the Gospel of Matthew, um, something really interesting is recorded, and I think it's, it's relevant to today and for what a lot of us go through. Matthew 11, verse 2, it says, When John, who is in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, that's Jesus, he sent his disciples to ask him, hey, go tell him. Ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Now let me break this down, what's happening. Beforehand, when life is going good, John says, this is the one. Another verse, I didn't put, he says, behold the Lamb of God, the one who takes away the sins of the world. May he become more, may I become less. But all of a sudden, John goes through some things and he ends up in prison. And now when he's in prison, He's like, hey, boys, come here for a second. I know what I said about him becoming greater, but I need you to go ask him. Are you the one? Are you actually the one that, that I was waiting for? Or should I expect someone else? It's really easy to be faithful when you feel it. It's a whole lot harder to be faithful when there's no fruit. One of the hardest things about giving is that we don't always see the fruit right away. Can, can I tell you something? For, for so many of us that are about to drop our offering in this box, you're not going to see anything when you leave this place. And so it's like, man, like, I don't even know if that was worth it. What was the point? It's easy to be faithful when you feel it. It's hard to be faithful when there's no fruit. Um, but a number of weeks ago, uh, Pastor Brett was here preaching. You guys remember that? And um, he, he was preaching and I was taking notes because I encourage you guys to take notes. So I take notes leading the way. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me 
And I don't really even remember if it had a whole lot to do with, with Brett's sermon because I look at my notes and none of that stuff's in there. But as, as he was preaching, uh, just, just the spirit started speaking to me and, and there was just this idea in my head when it came to our church and it was really this. It was this thought, it was this idea, like what if me, like what if I never see the full fruit of Kingdom Church? Like, what if I never see all that God is going to do? Would I be okay? And I think it's a question the Holy Spirit wants to ask us this morning. What if you never see the full fruit of what I want to do through your life? Would you be okay? Because here's the thing. I think we intrinsically as people, we like to see the finished product. When I put in work, when I put in time, when I put in money, I want to know exactly what happens. There's this show on YouTube I started watching like a year ago. Um, It's called Life Uncontained. And it's literally a couple that turned a storage container into a house. And they've been doing it for three years. And each episode is about 25 minutes long. And I find it very peaceful. Christy, she hates it. Like if we watch it late at night, she's like, turn that off or I'm going to sleep. She's like, it makes me so mad. And the reason it makes her mad is because in every single episode, they don't really do anything. Like, the guy will, like, paint a wall, um, and then he'll be like, come back next week kind of thing, right? Um, but, like, I don't know. The soundtrack is nice. The B-roll is good. I love it. But, like, what Christy's experiencing is, like, a very real human phenomenon. If I'm going to watch something, I want to see the finished product. I'm, if I'm going to put my time into something, I want to see how it ends. That's just, that's just human. And so I was sitting there in that seat right there, and God was just saying, what if you never see the finished result? What if you never see the fruit? What was happening to John in prison, he knew he was preparing the way for someone, but he did not get to see the full fruit of Jesus because he's in prison. And so what he's saying to himself, he's saying, man, is this the one? Because I'm not seeing it like I want to be seeing it. Is there someone else? And so his disciples go, and they, they, they ask and they report to Jesus. Hey, this is what John's saying. Jesus, Matthew 11, verse 4, he replied, he says, go back. Go back and report to John what you hear and what you see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. That, that last verse is so powerful. You need to understand it. Jesus says, blessed is anyone who does not fall, does not stumble because of me. Jesus is literally saying, sometimes I'm going to work in a way that's going to cause you to trip out. I'm going to do things in a way that are gonna, is going to shake your faith. So blessed is anyone that does not stumble on account of me. Do you want to know what he's saying? God is saying, Jesus is saying, I might work in ways that you never see. I might do things that you will never perceive. But that does not mean I'm not working. And so blessed is anyone that does not stumble. Blessed is anyone that does not lose faith. Blessed is anyone that does not give up on account of me. What a verse. But what he's saying is that even when you don't see it, I'm working. Even when you don't feel it, I'm working. Even when you don't perceive it, I'm working. John had one purpose and one purpose only. It was to prepare the way for Jesus. But guess what? 
Jesus never, John never saw the death of Jesus, and he most certainly did not see the resurrection. Because how the story goes is that John was beheaded in prison. He dies in prison. And so this man whose life was to prepare the way for Jesus, he wasn't even around when really the triumphant Jesus, when the King Jesus came out of the grave. He never got to see it. Peter got to see it. Mary got to see it, but John never got to see it. And so it's easy to say, well, was his life a failure? Because he never got to see it. No, because what I want us to understand is that we don't exist to see all that God is going to do. We just exist to prepare the way. We just exist to prepare the way. And so as I was sitting in that chair, when God asked me that question and it made me feel all these things, I just had another thought that came into my head and I took out my phone and I wrote it down. And I said, what if I built this church? What if I started this church? Not for me, but for my kids. Like, what if the reason that, that we planted this church three years ago was never for me? What if it's not even for my kids? What if it's for my grandkids? What if there's a generation of people that will come to know the goodness of Jesus through Kingdom Church that I will never, ever meet? And what if that was God's plan all along? And I'm just an instrument to prepare the way. Can I tell you something, church? When we give, and we're going to give, and so many of us are going to give sacrificially in a moment, what if you're just an instrument to prepare the way? for what God's gonna do, not, not just in 2022, because we, we talk a lot about like, it's, it's an offering for what God's gonna do in 2022. God's gonna do what he's gonna do in 2022. But what if God has plans in 2068 that you're not around for, but that you sow a seed? And like, I, I can speak pretty assuredly, we're not gonna be here in this place in 2068, but there's gonna be a chair that someone's gonna sit in and it's actually going to be your faithfulness that bought that chair. And there's going to be a person, it's going to be a young person, lost, hopeless, confused, maybe even crying. And the band's going to be playing. And that band will know no one named Amy or no one named Sydney or Joe or Claire or whoever else. But what we're doing now is just preparing the way for what God's going to do one day. You see, I think we really love the idea, you know, last week I shared all that we were able to do with the generosity project and the money that we were able to give away and the tangible things and all of that tangible stuff is amazing. But I just believe so deeply in my spirit that more than anything, God just wants to prepare the way because the magnitude and the depths of what he wants to do is not imaginable or fathomable for us. We, we literally are not privy to the mind of God. It would, it would blow our minds, that's the... That's the expression. And so when we, when we give, what we're doing literally in faith is saying, Jesus, this is for you. Do with it what you please. Do more than I could ever think, I could ever dream, I could ever imagine. You know, I, I didn't plan on sharing this, but it happened this morning, so I'm sharing it. Um, Christy and I, we, we always pray over our, of our offering before we bring it here. Um, just asking God to do things with it. But this morning, um, and maybe we did it last year, but the girls were just babies. But this time, like, the girls came. Um, we have twin girls, two years old. And we prayed together as a family. And um, 
we just explained what we were doing, and then we just said, hey, we're going to pray, girls. And in that moment, like, Kensley and Abby, like, they just really prayed. Closed their eyes, and, like, they're usually good for a bit, but I kind of, like, I prayed a little bit of a longer prayer, and the whole time they were praying uh, with us, and I was looking at them, opening my eyes, and they're kind of, like, shaking their head, nodding their head. <laughs> so cute, and I just, I just felt in that moment, like, regardless of, of any financial money or anything like that, what we were doing in that moment is preparing a way for them to see what faith looks like and to see, and we're sowing something. And it's going to be a seed of generosity that we will not ever figure out what it looks like one day. And as many of us walk up here today in just a moment, you're going to sow a seed for someone. And it's going to do something in someone else's life that they could not perceive, that they could never even know. And so... What Jesus says, other than blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me, he says, look around. He says, tell John to look around. Worship team, you guys can come up here. We're going we're to close. He says, the blind have sight. The deaf hear. The dead are raised to life. He's like, John, you may not feel anything personally, but guess what? God is moving. Guess what? God is working. Can, can I tell you something, church? If, if you're wondering, what is God doing? What, what, is God, what has God been doing in, in this place? I want you to look around because there's people beside you. There's people behind you that God is doing a work. I look around and I can see it and I know personally there's people that literally have gone from death to life in this last year. Lives are being restored. Chains are breaking. The power of the Spirit... is moving and I just want to speak so prophetically over this church that hope is coming out of this place and in this moment we're going to sow a seed where, where chains are going to be broken where lives are going to be restored and all we are doing is preparing the way the rest is Jesus and so you guys should have an envelope um, on your on your seat and we're going to ask you to do two things. If you have your offering prepared, uh, we're, we're, going to, we're going to sing in just a moment, have a time of worship, and, and you can come and bring that offering up, whatever um, you have decided or whatever God has called you to give. Um, this, this is the moment, and, and it's going to be a holy moment. But even outside of that, because um, if you don't want to give, there's, there's zero pressure to give, so don't feel like you're coerced or forced in any way. It's, it's a worship. It's an act of worship. Um, it's only worship if it's your choice. But what I want to ask you to do, because we do two things. We give our offering, but we also believe. We believe for something. We believe we're preparing the way. And so on your envelope, what I want to ask you to do is I want, you to ask, I want to ask you to believe for one thing. We do this every single year. Believe for one thing. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's your mom, maybe it's your dad, maybe it's your grandma, maybe it's your best friend, maybe it's your coworker, maybe it's a broken situation, maybe it's a broken place, maybe it's a broken home, maybe it's a broken life that you're experiencing. On that envelope, and we're gonna, we're gonna put it at the altar, we're gonna put it at the feet of Jesus. I want us to write something that we're believing that God is gonna do in this next year. And we're gonna believe in faith that the God that can do immeasurably more is gonna come through. And so right now, we're going to have a moment to give. 
And so can, can we just all stand up because this, this moment's going to be attached to worship as well. So I just want to pray over this offering. God, I just thank you so much that as a church, you've privileged us and you've blessed us beyond belief, God. And I just pray today, Jesus, that we can just give something to you, God. I pray that this sacrifice, I pray that this offering prepares the way for what you are going to do, God. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your goodness, Jesus. We love you. We praise you. We give you honor. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for watching online. Hey, we want you to be able to take part in this special year-end offering. So if you're watching right now, you can click the link in the description and there are two ways to give online. You can give via the Tidely app or via e-transfer. Either way, when you give, just put in the memo, Building Blocks 21. We cannot wait to see what God does through your generosity. Thank you so much for watching today. We'll see you soon.